Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. And welcome to Schooled with the Professor here as we try to get through all these tough times. But, of course, the good thing for football standpoint is there's plenty going on. you got the draft. You still have trades. You have, you know, kind of the end of free agency. And so we're going to get into so much of that stuff with Bob Glauber of Newsday and joining us here on Schooled with the Professor. And, of course, uh, kind of looking, Bob, is first off, I guess we can look at the big picture. And word comes out of Los Angeles that uh, and also with uh, Fauci, Dr. Fauci that uh, – it's, it's looking pretty grim right now to have any kind of live events with people in the stadiums, maybe through the rest of this year. Yeah, John, I mean, there, there are even some studies that suggest that we're not going to get back to completely normal till 2022. Now, I think that's probably pushing it a little bit too much. But, you know, these uh, these forecasts are, are, are not looking that good. Um, you know, you hope for, for advancements every day and you hope that things will get better, but I think we just got to sit and wait. Oh, yeah, no question. And I think that, you know, on the positive side, I mean, you would have to think that, uh, you know, they'll have a vaccine by sometime early next year, and maybe they'll stumble across something that uh, could work a little bit earlier. But until there's a bil- ability to get more testing to uh, have it, I think it could be in jeopardy. I, I'm, college football season, I have to think right now, is going to probably be from February to May. But what are, what are you hearing as far as now the new contingency plans that they're drawing up in the National Football League? Yeah, well, I mean, look, it, it, it's obvious they have to consider those contingency plans because, you know, they still have time. I mean, there's still several months before the quote-unquote regular season would start as scheduled. But, you know, time ticks away. And as governors continue to shut down their states, um, you're going to have a situation where certain states are not going to allow live events like that. So I think that you know, there are several contingency plans on the table. That includes a full season, that includes a shortened season, and that includes a season that could possibly um, kind of roll over past uh, where we've seen in the past, you know, into, into February. So, uh, John, I, again, it's, it's so uncertain. Um, you know, I think that, that conference call was probably a couple of weeks ago with Jeffrey Pash, the lead attorney for the, for the NFL, basically said, yeah, we're, you know, we're expecting to start. Our information is we'll be able to do that. We'll have a full season, blah, 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 blah. And then the next day, um, uh, Dr. Je- Dr. Alan Sills tells Judy Batista from NFL.com that, well, look, we've got to have some testing procedures done. So, uh, you know, not so fast. So I, I think that all options are on the table with the NFL. Um, it's prudent business practice to do that. I know we, we spoke to Joe Judge, the first-year coach of the Giants, yesterday, and Joe was saying that they have already four plans, and this is just for the off season. They have a blue, they have a purple, they have a red, they have a yellow. They they have these color-coded charts for, okay, if we start on time, it's blue. If we start a few weeks later, it's purple, and, and so forth. So I think everyone is planning for contingencies. And, and again, we, we just don't know, and I think we won't know until – until we know. I don't mean to sound like stupid about it, but I think a lot will be determined. You know, the PGA Tour looks like it's going to restart in June, and I think we're going to get some answers there, whether they can do that, whether they can get the athletes there. Um, It won't be with fans, Um, and I think it's going to be a learning process as we go along for everybody. 
Where do you think the NFL stands as far as having a season where you may not have fans or maybe half a season where it's going to be in an empty stadium? Yeah, John, I think they're going, they have to consider that. Um, There's just no doubt. And I think they would consider that. Now, now, Pash, as we were saying before, was saying he expects a full season in front of fans, packed at stadiums, blah, blah, blah. Well, <laughs> you know, you can, you can say that we're months out from it, but, you know, the reality is that it may come down to the idea that you would have um, no fans in the stands because, quite frankly, social distancing would require that you, you couldn't have that. Yeah, because again, I, and of course, you know, you're, you're in the main wave in the New York area, and of course, we were in the epicenter before the New York area, and of course, we're getting through this. But I think that the, the social distancing is going to stay with us for a couple of years now. Not maybe not to a point once there's a vaccine where you can actually, uh, you know, test and have the vaccine and all that stuff. And so maybe by next year they can have you know in studio games or with fans in it. But right now, it's starting to look like that may not happen. Yeah, I, I think you're right, John. And I think you know, I think social distancing in some form is here to stay for for quite a while. The key is uh, two things. Uh, one is the vaccine, you know, for the ultimate um, quote unquote cure for this thing. And then the other thing is um, just having testing ramp up exponentially from what it is now. And that, you know, even Dr. Fauci says that testing is going to be the key. If you want to reopen the sports, you have to be able to test the players. You have to be able to test coaches, um, auxiliary personnel, everyone involved in it. There have to be regular tests, and we're just not at that point yet. And, and that testing procedure, that has to get better and more robust over time. Now, one thing we'll switch off and uh, get into the the football part of it because again, it gets a little depressing when you start to we start to go down this path. But I mean, it's funny because I know before a free agency thought, I thought it'd been wise to delay free agency, and I look back and say, well, I'm wrong on that one because you know here we have like 167 players that have moved to different teams. You know, it's been the most active uh, free agency period ever, and then. Uh, you have 97 guys going back to teams, and so you know two-thirds of the list is already gone. So that's worked out, and I know Roger Goodell's taking some criticism for having to draft because now everybody's having to do it in their home, but I think that's also now it's, it's, it's probably the wise thing to do because who knows how long it would take to delay a draft. Yeah, I agree with you, John, um, wholeheartedly, and I, and I had some skepticism before the start of free agency. Even, you know, even Sean Payton, was saying a couple of days before free agency he thought it was going to be delayed, and then, you know, he unfortunately tested positive for it, thankfully got better. Um, so I, I was a little ambivalent, like, ah, is, this, is this tone deaf? Are you sending the right message? But then, then you look around, um, you know, businesses can go on and, and, and do go on. Uh, essential businesses do go on. Some entertainment goes on in very different forms on television in a virtual fashion. So I think they, I think it was a good idea, and you know what, John? A lot of football fans loved the idea of having something else to think about, because this is just such a depressing time. We're all stuck in our homes, and um, you, you know, you want to have something to kind of latch onto, and it really did provide an outlet for that. And I think the draft is doing that as well. And here's the thing, John: they're not putting anyone in harm's way. No one is being asked to go visit teams. No one is being asked to go to a draft to 
be expo- potentially exposed to the virus. No one is doing this. It's a, it's a virtual operation the entire way. We've never seen anything like that, like this before. And the NFL, I think, has gotten through it quite well, actually. Um, when you think about all the hurdles that had to have been overcome, in the, just free agency alone, it, it's, it's a pretty impressive thing that they've done so far. Um, where it goes from here, we don't know, but I do think it was, in retrospect, the right move to go ahead. Because, And, and one thing they said, we don't know what the landscape's going to be like if we delay things. We don't know what it's going to be like in May and June. So I, I think it is okay. And, you know, one byproduct of it, John, might be that, you know, it's kind of old school. Uh, you know, they used to have drafts much earlier, and there was far less study, far less scrutiny, and far more uh, paralysis by analysis. You know, you, you overthink things. Well, now you kind of got to go with your gut a little more. You go with what your scouts saw on the road. You go with what you see on game film, and you don't rely so much on um, overthinking things. And I, and I think that might have a beneficial effect. We'll, we'll know in a couple of years once um, this draft class um, is, is graded and, and kind of vetted. Uh, but I, but I think there is some benefit in just kind of going with what you see um, instead of maybe overthinking things a little bit. Yeah, and that's what I I, I respect out of this one is that uh, you know here you have all the because uh, I, I I was fortunate enough to just go back into the seventies when you didn't have a combine. The draft was in February. I mean, you get mm-hmm. done with your season, you take a couple weeks to get organized, and then you have your draft, which was reliant totally of what you saw on the college football field or maybe your one visit to the school, and that's what you had to do. And you know, you look at the drafts back then, and they turned out pretty well. And I would yeah, imagine yeah. this one will have its It's funny glitches. you mention that because I was talking to Lee Steinberg, uh, who does go back to the seventies as well. Though, of course, the prominent agent. Um, who represents Tua in this in this draft, and um, I believe Jerry Judy, and he said the same thing. It's like you know, in in the seventies, um, you know, it's early. We don't have the you know, we don't have all this study, and um, you just and things worked out right. You know, there was good football, and there were good football players that came out. Teams made mistakes, teams made hits, and just like they do in today's day and age. Yeah, no doubt. And so now it's a matter of looking ahead. What kind of draft do you think this is? How good of a draft is it? You know, I think it's a pretty good draft at certain positions, John. It's a, you know, it's uh, like like any draft. Uh, you have certain positions that are very deep, and I think in this one, you've got a great wide receiver class. You've got a, a chance. I mean, if if we go by what we see and what we hear, that this could be one of the all time great receiver drafts in NFL history. Obviously, time will have to bear that out, but it is a very deep group. So if you've got a need at, at wide receiver and you've got other needs, um, you know, you can you can address wide receiver in rounds one, two, th- really one through seven, and maybe even in free agency, because it's a very deep group. Solid group on the offensive line, solid group at defensive back. Um, quarterbacks are, you know, there are obviously two, you know, maybe three elite ones if you put uh, Herbert in there, you know, with two and Burrow as well. Um, and it's a it's an interesting class. There are a lot of quarterbacks that kind of have a lot of different skill sets. So I think there's maybe something for everybody in there. Um, you know, maybe not deep at the elite level, but certainly a, a lot to choose from. So I think overall it, it'll be a pretty good draft. 
Yeah, yeah, and of course, uh, the wide receiver thing. I ended up doing a three-round uh, mock draft. I had 18 wide receivers going there. And wow. Wow. Some wow. people that yep. have grades of like uh, 25 guys that have third-round grades or better, which means, and I know that that was backed up you know, by a couple of general managers, saying that you can get third-round receivers in the fourth and fifth round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the advantage of it. You, know, you look at a team like the Jets, they need an offensive tackle and need a wide receiver. Those are their two big needs. Well, they've got the 12th pick, so they're kind of in a little bit of a no-man's land there, but you know, if you're Joe Douglas, the general manager, you could say, well, I, you know, it's a great wide receiver class, but if I get my offensive tackle at 12, he might not be there in the second round. You know, I'll make that pick here at offensive line now, and then I got plenty of uh, ammunition and firepower in the lower rounds to get a wide receiver, and that's, that's the advantage that this receiver class gives you um, in terms of not having to, to, to force that pick early on because, you know, fewer, fewer really good prospects are or back there. It's just loaded at wide receiver. You know, staying with the Jets, it's kind of interesting because, again, this is where the difficulty could come in because, you know, having no off-season program and, you know, maybe a shortened training camp, uh, trying to put together an offensive line like the Jets are trying to do. You know, they bring in George Fant for $9.1 million at the at the tackle spot, and then they pay $9 million for Connor McGovern at center. And if they do draft a, t- a tackle, which I think they will over a wide receiver, that could be four new starters on an offensive line. That may be too much to ask. <laughs> Yeah, with no training camp or a very limited training camp, um, you know, kind of like you're looking at maybe like uh, the 2011 lockout season where everything started late. Yeah, that's going to be very tough, John. And and I think I think Joe Douglas is planning for the here and now, but he's also looking uh, to the future. And he sees Fant as a you know as a guy who can step in at left tackle, but also a guy who can play guard. He can play the other side. Um, so. Really, they've remade that offensive line at a fairly reasonable and affordable price, um, but there's there's no question, and we've seen over time, the offensive line is the hardest collective group to coach in the NFL because there's just so much choreography and timing that goes into it, and you're trying to coordinate five guys uh, to do one collective thing, and, and that takes time, and there's not going to be the luxury of time this year. One thing that uh, for the Seattle Seahawks fans is that they get uh, Brandon Shell at right tackle. Talk about uh, what type of player is he, and he, can he upgrade from Jermaine Effetti? Yeah, I think I think Shell is a solid player, and what, what Seahawks fans will see from him, he played with the Jets. He he's one of those overachiever type guys who, you know, is is really a good, solid worker, very diligent, really good teammate. And um, I, I think you'll see some, some good things out of him. So, uh, look, he's got a really well-coached team that he's playing for now. Um, and I, I think he will be a, a very solid addition to that team. And, you know, for a team that absolutely needs to upgrade on the offensive line. Yeah, and it was interesting because uh, the way that went, and it was, I talk about how weird it was, is that uh, here's George Fant, the backup, you know, who played a little bit of tight end, uh, you know, 20, 25 mm-hmm. plays a game sometimes as a blocking tight end, but, you know, started out as a rookie, as a left tackle, uh, and he comes in and he gets $9.1 million, and here's Jermaine Effetti, a first-round pick, uh, and he ends up getting the minimum salary to go to the Chicago Bears, even though Effetti started four years straight. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a strange landscape, um, and you know, Fetty never really kind of developed into the in, into the player that he was that he was expected to be. Um, it's 
not not uncommon at all. It takes some guys more time. I don't know if I, you know. I think he's a fairly complete guy as far as who he's going to be. Um, but look, you look at Shell, uh, kind of coming from a little bit out of nowhere and developing and working hard and just kind of keeping keeping to the grind and coming out of you know uh, you know as as a good solid um, guy who can who can be relied on. And I think that's what the Seahawks were, are, are looking for. And I think that's what they'll get out of him. Yeah, no question. And so then uh, what you can also look at is that uh, the Giants, as you were just over there, or at least you were on, on a, a virtual yeah. call, it's like you weren't over there, but it's like uh, it, it seems apparent that at number four they're going to take an offensive tackle. Which one do you think they take? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think worse probably would be um, uh, the pick there, Mickey Becton. Uh, you know, I think they're – I think they're going to lean in that direction. I personally believe that they've got to really upgrade much more on defense, and I, I, I think Isaiah Simmons is, is a guy who can, you know, he's a pretty exciting defensive player, can play linebacker, play safety. You know, a lot of people think, some scouts think that, you know, well, not having one position kind of knocks him out of the box there. Although uh, Joe Judge was saying yesterday that, you know, if, if a guy, say, like Simmons has multiple dimensions to him you know you as a coach have to project that to see if that's going to be good and, and, and can get better over time and you have to be able to coach that um but i do think the way that dave gettleman is kind of sprinkling out little little tidbits kind of like he did two years ago with saquon barkley calling him a, you know a perfect perfect prospect he said even my mother could scout him uh, yeah he kind of knew there and and last year um with daniel jones he was just saying you know he obviously had to need a quarterback. He wanted a guy who's kind of had to weather some problems there. And you look in hindsight, well, Daniel Jones was a, was a good quarterback at a, at, a, at a school that did not have a great football team at Duke, and, you know, he was under duress quite a bit. So I think the, the, the little little hints he's dropping right now, talking about Nate Solder struggling last year, certainly points to, to offensive line. Now it's, it's a matter of which, which they fall in love with. I don't completely rule out defense, but I, I think it, it probably leans toward offensive line at this point. Yeah, because on the defensive side, particularly where they're drafting in the second round, I think they could be in pretty good spot, and even if they have to trade up a little bit. But uh, I think they can mm-hmm. get a defensive tackle. I think they can get an edge rusher in that second round. Well, if they can get edge rusher in that second round, man, maybe they got to overdraft them in the first because they need one badly. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of teams need one badly, but that really is their um, – their their greatest need on defense um, is an edge rusher. Can Simmons be that guy? Well, you know, I think he's a, a jack of all trades type of guy, and and you kind of have some concerns about size. But you know, in, in the right fit, the right defense, um, he could excel. But if they can they can fill the offensive tackle need and the edge rusher need in this draft, uh, they will be very very happy. Bob Glauber, I thank you so much for joining us on Schooled with the Professor. Stay safe, stay home, and let's hope there's some football coming. Thanks very much, John. Always a pleasure, and I I appreciate it. And you guys stay well and and healthy out there. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at ClaytonESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.